Hey friends, it's your old friend Sarah. Remember me? Um, I realize I paused this podcast a while back when I made the shift from personal training to life coaching. And I did that because I really saw a need in the endurance training world for mindset training and support. I was seeing so many people decide to climb a mountain and they'd have this perfectly good training plan and then they would struggle like a mofo to make it through the six-month training season. And they really needed help handling all the ups and downs, the setbacks, the negative emotions, and the discomfort that come with chasing a long-term goal. They thought all these difficulties meant something had gone wrong when the truth is when you set out to create something new and amazing in your life, discomfort is inevitable. Discomfort means you're doing it right. So I really wanted to help athletes understand that. And then I realized you know, this actually applies to any goal, whether you're starting a business, finding true love, writing a book, raising a child, there's a shit ton of discomfort involved in all of those. So this inspired me to start applying these training principles to all areas of life as a general life coach. And let me tell you, it's been a blast. However, I have to say of all the things I miss about my old business, this podcast and the community around it are what I miss most. So I'm not quite ready to commit to firing this podcast back up, although that's a possibility. Stay tuned. But what I do want to do over the next few months is reboot a few of my favorite episodes for you. So today, we're going to revisit my nine rules for creating a life of adventure. Are you convinced that you don't have the time and money to live a life of adventure? Then maybe it's time to get out of your own way. Believe it or not, most of the limitations in our lives don't come from outside of us. They actually come from our own heads. And the good news about this is that once we're aware of them, we can release them. So in today's episode, I'm going to share with you my nine rules of living a life of adventure. Warning, listening to this episode may inspire you to sell all your possessions and walk across Mongolia with $20 in your pocket. And actually, that sounds like a lot of fun. So let's dive into the episode for the second time. Prepare yourself. Okay, let's go. So you may be asking yourself, you know, Sarah, what qualifies you to talk to me about living a life of adventure. And here's the thing. I feel like I suck at a lot of things in life. I haven't done my life perfectly, so to say, but I feel like the adventure part is one thing I did get right. I got to live overseas for seven years, got to climb lots of mountains, explore six continents, and all of this being someone from a family that was not a family of travelers. Really, our big adventure was driving from Ohio to Florida one time. It didn't come from a lot of money, didn't come from a lot of means, but somehow found a way to make it happen for myself. And I'll share some of these stories today as we go along. But if you shut off this episode right now, don't listen to the rest. The one thing I want you to take away is that living a life of adventure really is all about your mind. We think it's about money. We think it's about time, but really it's all about how we approach life and the limitations we put on ourselves or release from ourselves. So let's dive into some rules that have really helped me live an adventurous life. Number one, commit to having no regrets in life. When they do research on people who are dying and talk to them about their lives, look back with them, scientists have asked 
them about their greatest regrets. The regrets are always about the things that they didn't do rather than the things they did do. So for example, they don't necessarily regret their mistakes, maybe leaving their first partner or making a a purchase that was ill-advised. What they regret is the things that they failed to do whatever that is to them. And here's the thing for you as an adventure lover. You are not going to lay on your deathbed and congratulate yourself for saving money, for saving vacation days, because you didn't go on the trek, because you didn't climb the mountain, because you didn't travel to the place that you've always dreamed of seeing. It's it's just not going to be that way. And I, I consider myself lucky in the sense that I'm kind of a morbid person. Person, I think about the end of my life all the time. I'm like, shit, I'm going to die soon. <laughs> I better hurry up and get busy. And I think that that's been pretty key to me taking opportunities whenever they arise. Even if the green lights of the universe aren't all lined up, I'm like, I better do this because I don't want to, I don't want to regret it someday if it's something that I really, really strongly want to do. Number two. How do you do this? How do you get started? Start by getting out of your own way. Like I mentioned in the intro, we tell ourselves all these stupid stories about why we can't do the thing. You're like, ah, I don't have the money. I don't have the vacation days from work. Maybe your hesitation is about your body. You're like, ah, people at my weight don't do this thing. But here's the thing. All these limitations are 100% invented by us. So for example, if it's your body that's holding you back, I guarantee you there is someone bigger than you doing the thing. In the last episode, I talk about Carla Powell, who's an essayist, and she wrote this beautiful essay on doing the Inca Trail trek at 385 pounds. I mean, if she can do it, what's your excuse? What's holding you back? And she could have let that be the reason she didn't go. And she decided to do it anyway. And she did it. So really, if she can do it, what's holding the rest of us back? I think it's such an amazing story. Beautiful essay. I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. But the truth is, always that your life will match your mindset. If there's something you really want to happen with all your heart, all your soul, you're going to find the time, you're going to find the money. A story I really love, and I think I think this is um, Chris Gillibo from one of his early books. He talked about being newly married, living in the city, and he and his new wife, they wanted to travel around the world and visit every country. So how'd they make it happen? They didn't have a ton of money. They didn't have a ton of time. But one of the things they did do was they decided to sell their car. So they got money from the sale of the car, which they put away for their trip. And then they also spent a year, I think, taking public transportation. If they needed to go on a road trip, they would rent a car, but they didn't own a car. So at the same time, they're saving on gas, they're saving on maintenance, insurance for the car. And for them, that was really the start of things. They were able to take that money maybe a year later and start their around the world trip. And they did achieve their goal of visiting every country pretty quickly within a few years, which was amazing. So I don't know what this will look like for you. I'm sure it'll be different, but you know, maybe it's time to sell that couch that you're sitting on and buy a plane ticket to somewhere you wanted to go. 
Or since we can't fly as readily right now, maybe take a road trip to somewhere you want to go. I don't know, but you know. And that brings us to number three. And that's that your dreams, they don't have to make sense. So here's a a story to illustrate. When I was looking at grad schools, I was living in Ohio, where I'm from, and I was very desperate to move to Colorado. I just knew Colorado was where my heart wanted to be. It's where I belong, where I'm supposed to be. So I started applying to grad schools and I applied to a school in Colorado, got in, but I didn't get any financial aid. And if you know, if you know anything about the education system in Colorado, because we have so many people that want to come here, I think out of state tuition at state schools is insane. At the time, it was $20,000 a year. I'm sure it's much, much more than that now. But I really wanted to go there. At the same time, I had applied to a school close to home. And I had gotten a full scholarship, an assistantship, we call it in graduate school. So my housing would be paid for, my tuition would have been paid for, and I would have had a stipend. And I'm sitting here with these two offers on the table, and I'm like, you know, common sense obviously says I should go to school close to home, delay my dream of living in Colorado. And I was just like, F it. (laughs) I'm going to Colorado. I'm going to just put my faith in the universe and see what happens. And if I have to pay the out-of-state tuition, I'll take out loans. But I just believe that's where I'm supposed to be. So the crazy thing that happened is I went to Colorado. I did pay the out-of-state tuition for a semester, which, you know, wasn't cheap. But then I got an assistantship. And it was the same deal I would have had in Ohio. I had tuition and housing covered and a stipend. And it ended up being an awesome assistantship that was just life-changing and so much fun. So all of this to say, (laughs) your dreams may seem stupid. They may seem foolhardy, especially to other people. But I really want you to get in the habit of following your heart and not your head. When you're living in that vibration of just doing the thing that are in your highest excitement, I really feel like the universe and the rest of life catches up. It's like, oh yeah, Sarah's supposed to be in Colorado. Here's an assistantship. It's going to make it easy for you to live here. (laughs) And I had no expectation of getting that when I moved, but boom, there it was. So in the next section, we're going to talk a little bit more about the survival brain, the ego, all the noise it makes, all the barriers it throws up for us. But really, I want you to stop making decisions with your head so much and really make them with your heart and soul. Really start taking time to be quiet, to feel inside you, to get to know yourself. What does your soul desire? Because that's the way to go. That's where you're supposed to be. If you follow that, you're never going to go wrong. Number four rule for living a life of adventure, I want you to embrace discomfort. So a couple episodes ago, we talked on the podcast about how before for a trip, whether it's a mountain climb, a trek, um, even just traveling to another place you've never been, you're never going to feel ready. Your brain is programmed for you to stay safe, for you to do all the normal things and not rock the boat. It's really not programmed for you to be out running around having adventures. If you think about it from an evolutionary standpoint, your brain is evolved to keep you in the cave where it's safe, where there's food, where there's fire, where there's no wild animals trying 
trying to kill you. Whenever you get a crazy hair and be like, I'm going to go to Bolivia and go trekking, your brain's like, oh, no, 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 no. Very bad idea. Here's all the horrible things that could happen. There could be a coup. The plane could crash. A, like snow leopard could eat you. Like, like it's going to start just throwing up all the most ridiculous things to keep you from going on your adventure, to keep you in the cave. And really, the best strategy is A, just to realize that this happens. This is a normal thing your brain does. It has nothing to do with reality. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't go on your trip, but there's also really no way to stop it, right? This is what your brain does in order to keep you in live. So my best advice to you is when you notice this happening, just allow that discomfort to be there. Just be like, hey, brain, I hear ya. <laughs> I, I know you're really just doing your job of trying to keep me alive, so thank you. I also know that it's important for me to grow and stretch and have adventures, so I am going to go and do that, brain, you know, but thank you for looking out for me, for trying to have my back, even if it's a little misguided the way you do it sometimes. And another thing you can do to really quiet down the brain is to use mind-body strategies. So the one I've talked about a lot that I love is breath work. It just really unhooks the mind and the ego, takes all that away, helps you just get into your body and your intuition, which is such a beautiful place to live from, and let go all those doubts and all that chatter and all that noise. And things like yoga, things like meditation can also help as well. So using mind-body to quiet all that down is a good thing to do, especially before a big trip. Number five, it is so important when you're planning adventures to commit to enjoying the journey. If you can't enjoy the journey, it's really important that you not go at all. So an example from my life, a couple summers ago, some friends invited me to climb Denali and I had kind of been climbing bigger mountains. I was getting to the point where that would be a logical next step for me. And whenever I really felt into it, it just felt like such a tight contraction, like, ah, so heavy. Oh, I would have to train for so long. I'd have to spend months just exercising hard and dragging a sled and <laughs> going on all these trips on the weekends. Every weekend would be consumed. And there's probably a time in my life where I would have been like, hell yeah, like, bring it on. That's, let's go to Denali. However, it just in that moment, it wasn't feeling good. I didn't believe that I would enjoy the journey. And I said no. And here's the thing. Even if you're going after something you're really, really excited about and feeling good, the main event is never guaranteed, right? So when we're spending months training for a summit or for a hike, we have to find a way to find joy and meaning in the journey of getting there. Because if you train for five months and then climb Denali and you hated like the entire five months were just annoyed, bitter, wishing you weren't doing it. Even if you did get to the top of Denali, like would it really be worth it? To me, those months of my life, I, I would never get back. Like the cost would be so high. So here's my rule. If you're not gonna love the journey, if you're not gonna love the people, your fellow travelers, if you're not gonna love the place, the whole experience, the growing, the learning, if you're not gonna love all that, you cancel the trip and you 
eat the cost because it's not going to be worth it. Number six, choose your adventures wisely. This one kind of flows a bit from number five. If you think about it, There's so many things we all want to do in life. And even if you won the lottery, you had unlimited money, you could quit your job and never work again and just travel around the world and have adventures, you don't have time for everything, right? You don't have energy for everything. So it's so important to pick the ones that matter and let the rest go. This is something I started practicing pretty hardcore this year. I started saying no to a lot of things people invited me on, even things that seemed, you know, pretty good. And it was a bit of a tough transition. And I I think some people were probably like perplexed and maybe a little mad at me. Like, what is she doing? Like, why is she not going on my trip? But I promise you this, Being more selective about what I do, who I go with, has made my adventure life so much better, like exponentially better. And this is the reason. I think by saying no to trips that might be good, you make room in your life for the things that might be great. So when my friend came to me and said, let's go to Great Basin National Park and go hiking, I had the vacation days, I had the energy, I had the time. It it just fit perfectly. And I was able to share that experience with her. I've been attempting to take a backpacking trip to Santa Fe for a couple of years and it keeps falling through. And I had someone come to me and want to do that in October. So I'm actually going to be gone later this month doing that backpacking trip. And it's really funny. It's all the things that I've always wanted to do, but just sort of felt like I never had time for because I was just running around doing all this stuff. I didn't care about that much, honestly, just to fit in, just to go with the flow. By saying no to more things, I just made room for all the things that are my heart's desire that I'm 100% excited about. So choose wisely. So important. Number seven, I want you, when it comes to your adventure life, to be a leader and not a follower. One thing I see a lot is that people say something like, I would love to travel. I'd love to go climb this mountain. I'd love to take this trek, but I'm waiting to meet the right partner to go with me, or I'm waiting until my friend who wants to do it with me has time off of work. And here's the thing, waiting for someone to go with you is a mugs game, in my opinion. Instead, what I want you to do is stop letting other people choose the timeline and you go when it makes sense for you, where you want to go, doing the things you want to do. Now, this may mean that you go alone or if it's something that's not feasible alone, that you join a tour, join a group, that's okay. You're going to do what it takes to make it happen. And what I want you to notice is as soon as you start calling the shots in your life, look at who gets attracted into your life because there are going to be people that really resonate with what you're doing, that get excited when they see you doing the thing, and they're going to want to join you. And it's also totally true that there may be people in your life that aren't going to come along. And it may be enlightening who that is. Maybe you always thought your romantic partner, you would you would travel together and take amazing trips around the world together. And this may be your first clue that the truth is maybe it's not going to happen. And what does that mean for you? That's really up to you. But it is going to be very revealing about some of the people 
in your life once you start taking charge and doing the things that you're excited to do. Kind of the flip side of that one is number eight. I also believe that adventure must fit into your life. And sometimes we see people that have very driven personalities. They're going to train for the mountain, even if it means that they neglect their job, neglect their family, don't spend as much time with their kids. And when that starts happening, it can almost be a way to escape the truth of your life. Sometimes we use adventure almost like a drug to numb us out. And we get a lot of affirmation for it more than, say, someone that was using alcohol or cocaine to numb themselves to the truth of their life. But it's, it's the same result, right? It's stopping us from maybe feeling things like loneliness, unworthiness, emptiness, aimlessness. Suddenly we have this adventure, we have a thing to do, and we do that instead of really working on the parts of our life that make us human, make us whole. And the dangerous thing about this is that this adventure thing, it could all end tomorrow, right? I feel in my life, someone that's really showed me this is my cousin. We're both very close. We're both very adventurous. And she actually sustained a serious brain injury around the age of 20. And it's really limited what she could do ever since. And I really let that be a lesson to me. I'm like, it could all end tomorrow. And then, you know, my life's going to be very different. And who's going to be there to love me and for me to love if I'm just always off, like running away from all the other parts of my life? The human connection, it's so important to us. It's something that is biologically evolved in us. We want to belong. We want to be part of a community. So don't neglect that part of your life. Who's going to be there for you if all this adventure goes away? Make sure that there's someone and really invest in that area of your life, even if it means you don't get to perfect fitness and get to 100 fitness level on the Training Peaks app. Like, who the F cares? <laughs> your life is about so much more than that. And here's the truth like, I've in the past couple of years, for exactly this reason, slowed down my adventure life quite a bit. Um, COVID helped, but even before. Before that, I was starting to cut back a bit because I wanted to spend more time with my friends. I wanted to date, find love, do all the things. And really what occurred to me as this started happening is that many of the people in the communities that love me most, where I felt like I belonged the most, they loved me before I climbed my first mountain. They were, they could really give a shit about that. They loved me for me. So that's the kind of people we all need in our life, and we need to make sure that that's a priority and the adventure can kind of fit around that. So that brings me to the last rule, number nine, trust and surrender. Us type A adventure people, like we tend to get on a roll and go crazy, and we, we believe that if we do all the things right in our training, and if we get the right guide service and plan 
our trip at the right time of the year, then we'll we'll reach the top of the mountain or we'll reach the base camp. And <laughs> it's so funny, right? Because I think COVID has shown this to us that we really have no control over shit, right? Like we're so out of control, even though we don't like to believe it. We can do all the things right and still not make it to the summit or not complete the goal or maybe our flight gets canceled and we don't even get to go on the trip at all. So that's where the trust and surrender comes in. There's no point in being attached to outcomes that you have no control over. Instead, what I want you to do is believe that everything is happening for you in perfect timing. When we stop trying to control everything in our lives, we really open up to all the goodies the universe has planned for us. Have you ever had maybe a trip canceled and been very disappointed? Maybe it happened this year during COVID. And then you realize, oh my gosh, I was never supposed to go on that trip. There's something so much more important that I need to do. Or maybe the universe had something in store for me that was even better than I expected. I feel like this happens all the time to me. And I'm so disappointed in the moment and then realize later, oh my God, thank you, universe. I was not supposed to go on that stupid trip. You know exactly what I needed. This also applies to our so-called failures. Say maybe you were going to run an ultra race and you DNF'd because you ran out of water or just were having a bad day. And we have a choice. We can be so attached to that outcome that it's devastating, or we can learn from that. Sometimes the lessons are small, you know, take more water next time. Sometimes the lessons are huge. I know when I didn't summit Orizaba, which is a big mountain in Mexico that a lot of people climb, I was so disappointed in the moment. I was really mad at myself. I felt like a failure, like I was not as good as other people. You know, I just went down the rabbit hole of like comparing and like whipping myself and beating myself. And you know what I learned from that? Like I am so brutal to myself. That was like the beginning of me seeing it and being like, wow, like this is a horrible, horrible way to live. I want to love myself. I want to have my own back and always believe myself and support myself and cheer myself on. I want my life to be different. And you know what? I can't say I'm perfect at that now, but so much better than I was. And it all started with just this one mountain, not getting to the top, noticing what my mind started doing, what I started doing to myself and making a change. I don't think I would have made that change if if everything hadn't happened like it did at that particular moment. If I would have climbed that mountain and summited, I would have, you know, just continued to beat myself up for the next one. So it had to stop at some point, And that's exactly how it did. And it was perfect. So friends, those are my nine rules for living a life of adventure. I hope they've inspired you. I hope you're fired up right now. I hope you're like getting ready to sell your condo and quit your job and like walk across Asia. Like, well, maybe. (laughs) 
maybe not quite yet, but you know, if you were to be inspired to do that, I would feel so honored. That's the kind of shit I do. So <laughs> I really, really want it for you too. It's 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 a great way to live. It's a beautiful way to live. Not everyone's gonna understand it. There's a lot of people that aren't gonna approve, but if that's really what you want to do, get on your way. You got this. Just jump off the cliff and learn to fly on the way down. That's really the way it's done. So friends, have a wonderful week, wonderful weekend, and I will talk to you next week. Take care.